I'm Rabbi Chaim Mintz, and welcome to the seventh episode of my weekly podcast, The Mensch, a podcast where I take current events with a rabbinical point of view to give you advice how to live your life as a mensch. And I got to tell you something. Many times you read things in the news, what's going on in the current events, and it becomes a very big moral issue for me because even I'm struggling with this one this week. Yesterday, the LA Times wrote a article from Eva Schloss, the stepsister of Anne Frank, which we'll get to in a moment. But what she wanted was that Facebook should remove all Holocaust-denying material because it bothers her. How come they have a voice? So she would like to cut down on some of the free speech that people could have. On the other hand, the same week in Washington, you had YouTube, you had Facebook, and you had other platforms where people go and use to give their point of view on anything. They were being accused by Congress that they're cutting back on many people's free speech. The conservatives felt that YouTube and Facebook and others were denying their free speech. What do we do? Should the Holocaust deniers that spew hate be allowed to be spoken? What should you and I be thinking? Now, let me give you a little background because some of you may not know who Eva Schloss is or Anne Frank is. So let me just give you a little bit of a background. Anne Frank was a young girl who wrote a diary and it was printed into a book called The Diary of a Young Girl. Eva Schloss is her stepsister. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about the background. Anne Frank was living with her family in the Netherlands. And the Nazis were coming after every single Jew. And what happened was Otto Frank, the father, figured out a brilliant plan to take his family and hide it behind a bookcase. You see, there was a doorway that led to two or three rooms. He put a giant bookcase right in front of it that you would think impossible to move. And what happened was he put his family behind those doors. And every time the Nazis came into this place, they walked right by that entrance. And Anne Frank and her family lived there. For two years, they lived there. And every single day, she wrote in her diary what was going on. Eventually, they were found. They were taken, and Anne Frank died in Bergenbels. At the end of the war, her father, Otto, went running back to his house to find what was left. And believe it or not, the diary of his daughter, which he cherished because it was the only thing that he had, he read it with tears. He showed it to others, and it became a bestseller. In fact, it became one of the world's bestsellers, and it opened the eyes to a lot of people in the outside world what was really going on during the Nazi regime. Eva Schloss is one of the last surviving members, and she took it upon herself to tell the world about the story of her stepsister, Anne Frank. She goes everywhere. I got to tell you something. She fills up huge auditoriums. She's well-known and very well-respected. Now that Facebook, YouTube, was asked, to be fair, she came out, and this is the LA Times article, to go and say, hello, I think I need you to censor certain things. Now, I got to be honest, Facebook does censor Nazi propaganda deniers. 
where in Germany and in Austria. They actually do do that because in Germany and in Austria, you are forbidden to, not, to deny the Holocaust because that's where the Holocaust really, really took roots. And the government said, we never want this to happen again. They teach it in their schools. And anybody who gets up there and denies it can actually go to jail. But what about here in America? There are people that want to go and say that the six million never happened. But it wasn't just six million Jews. It was many, many other people. And this creates a lot of hate and anti-Semitism today because people are trying to say that, oh, the Jews are just trying to get sympathy, but it never really happened. So Eva Schloss is begging Facebook, take it down. So what's the right thing to do? Facts. Anybody wants to deny universal facts, for example, anybody wants to go and say the Holocaust never happened, or if somebody wants to go and say slavery never happened in the world, or even here in America, are you kidding me? You're lying. You're denying historical facts. So I would say to Facebook, to attach to their posts, showing how they are disoriented in the, the facts. And you, the reader now, will be able to go and see there's only one side to the truth. This is the way it happened. But opinions is not always facts. For example, what about opening a school during the coronavirus? Some people say it's healthy. Some people say it's not healthy. I can get doctors on both sides of the story on this one. Should we wear masks? Should we not wear masks? I can get opinions on both sides of the aisle. Should we have people going outside and getting herd infection or not? That's so many different views. When it comes to views, I say, let them all be out there. And the reason is because that's how each one of us learn. A, maybe there's something I didn't know. And B, maybe there is something I needed to know to help me in the way I have my belief system. So everybody should have opinions when it comes to a debate, what's best for this country, for my school, for my community. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong of us having a debate. Who should be the next president of the United States? Where you should have censorship is. When people want to go and say huge lies about facts and history that only will bring pain and suffering to the people. And that's the only reason why they're posting it, because they want to hurt. Could you imagine a person getting up in America and saying today, there never was any slavery ever, ever in the United States of America? Do you know how many millions of people will be hurt? No, not just the black African-Americans. What about the white northerners? 500,000 of their brothers and sisters died to free slavery. You're hurting a lot of people when you deny that kind of a fact. When somebody goes and says the Holocaust never happened, are you kidding me? You know how many millions of descendants are being hurt? Plus also those that are trying to change themselves in Germany and Austria to never allow such a terrible thing is spinning on them by denying such facts. There's no two sides of a debate over there. It's black and white. And you're only spreading this to deny me my true history. Why? Because you want to hurt me. 
We can't censor free speech. People can say a lot of stupid things in this world. The beauty of freedom of speech is, is that with the power of reason and the power of education, your view should be able to stand on its own. You know, one of the beautiful things about Abraham was he was the only person in the world that believed in monotheism. And boy, did he get a lot of slack from everybody around him. Oh, they argue with him all the time. You know what he did? He opened up his tent and he said, come, let's have a meal together. Let's talk. And through education, Abraham began the most popular belief in the world, and that is monotheism. Today, monotheism is the basis of, of the most prevalent religions on earth. Yes, my friends, everybody can have an opinion, but you got to act like Abraham. Get your arguments, and you can go and sit and talk with them in a peaceful manner, even on Facebook, even on Twitter, even on Instagram, no matter what the platform is. Abraham showed us the way. That's the high road. That's the mensch road. That should be your road. Facts? No. We're not going to let you post anything that denies facts. Because all you're doing is, is bringing hate and division. You have an opinion? All right. We'll let you have your opinion. I have the right to come and educate you on my own platform. Facebook, do not stop the two sides from coming up in everybody's feed. Don't make algorithms that produce only what people want to see and hear. Because now, all of a sudden, you've become an editorial. You've become a censorship. And America is about the freedom of speech without censorship. But I'm with you, Eva. You're 100% right. That hate that they produce produces a lot of hatred. Make the right decision and be a mensch. Welcome back to the mensch. This is one of my favorite parts when I get challenged with interesting questions. But to tell us how it works, I'm going to send you to my producer, Jack. Take it away. Hi, Rabbi. This is What Would a Mensch Do? These are quick bites asking topical questions from today's news. For the first question, baseball season has just begun, and we are already starting to see repercussions from the Miami Marlins COVID outbreak. If you were the GM of a team, how would the Mensch handle a virus outbreak in your locker room? You know, that's a good question because, but first, for those people that don't understand what's going on, baseball teams are playing without fans, which is smart because they don't want anybody getting sick. But the problem is you're traveling from city to city to city. What happened was the Marlins were playing in Philadelphia, and then one of their players got COVID virus. And now all of a sudden, their team can't play anybody because they're scared to give over the virus to somebody else. So the question is, what would I have done? Because they can't play now. They're falling behind in games. And the season has to keep on moving. The NBA did it right. What did the NBA do? They said to all of the NBA teams, we're going to put you in an area in Orlando, and you're going to live in this bubble, and you can never go out of the bubble. You can't go with your family to Disney World. You can't go to Miami. You All the players of all the teams stay in this area, 
and you'll play games at different times during the day. This way, they can get all their games in without anybody getting the, the virus. They did smart. Baseball, you blew it. I don't know how you're going to stop making up eight, nine games in a 60-game season when you only have about five days off. How are you going to do that? So if I was a general manager, I would go and say, you know, I want to stop it, and we only break it down to a 30-game season. Let's all go to a bubble. That's the only way to save it because there are going to be many other COVID viruses, and then what? You're going to bring up your minor league team to play the World Series? Uh, this is not good. Great question. I say go to a bubble. Thanks, Rabbi. Here's the second question. Dodgers pitcher Joe Kelly was recently issued an eight-game suspension for throwing a fastball behind the head of Astros player Alex Bregman and later taunting Carlos Correa. The suspension has been met with mostly negative responses from Dodgers fans. So what is your opinion on the suspension, and how would you handle a situation like Kelly's punishment if given the opportunity? That's a very good question, but let me give some background so people that understand what's going on. The Houston Astros, for the last two or three years, have been going to the World Series, and they've been caught cheating. Cheating! And the Dodgers lost the World Series to the Astros. The Yankees lost in the playoffs to the Astros, later to be proven that they were cheating, and that's how they won. So what happened was, what did Major League Baseball do to the Houston Astros? Absolutely nothing. They lost a draft, and they couldn't use their manager. That's about it. No player got punished for cheating, even though it was caught red-handed what they were doing. So now that we found this out, Houston Astros, for the first time, came to Dodger Stadium. You think the Dodger players are not upset? Of course they are. You stole from me the World Series. So what did the pitcher do? He didn't hit anybody. He threw the ball behind the head of one of the big cheaters. Didn't hit him. All of a sudden, the umpire goes and says, you know, and the inning's over. And when the inning was over, the pitcher was being taunted by the Houston player. And he went back and made faces and taunted back. So what did baseball do? They gave him an eight-game suspension. That's big. Getting off eight days. Why do I not like it? Because from now on, anytime Houston plays in any team, any pitcher that will throw a little close to a Houston player could get suspension. So he took the pitch and he threw it behind the head. I get it. It was near his head. But do you know how many times pitchers, the ball gets away and almost hits other batters in the head? I get that too. But nobody gets a suspension. These cheaters, the Houston Astros, are now being protected. Are you kidding me? So what happened the other night in Yankee Stadium? I mean, in Baltimore, to the Yankees, when the Baltimore pitcher hit the Yankees three times. I didn't hear about any suspension. Tonight, while we're filming, while we're recording this, another Yankee was hit by a pitch on the elbow. He had to leave the game. Did I think that Baltimore pitching is going after Yankee hitters? Why aren't they being suspended? The answer is because that's the way the game is played. But no, Houston Astros, they didn't get hit. 
They were caught cheating. People are upset. They want to send a message. Are you kidding me? You can suspend every pitcher that hits an Astro player? Major League Baseball, you lost your credibility. Rethink your policy and be a mensch. Thanks, Rabbi. Many universities like the University of Arizona will be returning soon for the fall semester with in-person classes. Should the universities be re- reopening so quickly, and would the mensch send his children back to school? Oh, this is the big debate going on. Everybody's talking about, more or less, they're talking about the younger kids, if they should go back. Would I send my young kids to school? 100%. I would. My older children? That's kind of scary because when you go and have older children, college kids, they do drinking together. They do a lot of singing together. And they just pal around together. And who knows what could be caught. What bothers me about the universities are those that are not opening and everything is in-house. Cla- in in other words, you've got to stay in your home and they're teaching you. How come the tuition's not going down? Why do you still have to pay the high cost of tuition? You're not using electricity. You're not paying for air conditioning. You're not paying for supplies. You're not paying for 99% of what your costs are, except for the salaries of a teacher. There's something going wrong here. And if you want happy students, stop hogging money from them, which is a question. I should discuss another time. How come universities charge so much money for tuition? Maybe I'll tackle that next week. Ask it to me next week. I'd love to get into that. Thanks so much, Rabbi. I would love to know why they are not lowering tuition. It is it is the biggest question on my mind, and I, I, I would love to hear about that next week. But for now, here's the final question. In the midst of hardships like the coronavirus pandemic, how does Judaism explain or justify the occurrence of such disasters? Is it a punishment from God? What are some ways to stay positive during a disaster? Uh, that's a real, that's a good question for a rabbi. <laughs> the reality is, everything that happens in this world, God allows it. Doesn't mean it's a punishment, just the opposite. I personally have been saying to my congregation that the entire purpose of this entire corona is time out. Look at the way we were behaving with each other, whether on social media, in person. I mean, there's been a lack of respect. You ever notice when children are fighting in a house? What does a parent say? All right, stop fighting. Stop fighting. What's going on here? You, go to your room. You, go to your room. This is God's way of saying to all of humanity. My kids, what's wrong with you? Go to your room. Stay home for a while and rethink how you're behaving. The whole virus situation, why people get sick and why people suffer, why people die, I'll never be able to answer that question. I'm not God. But everything that God does, my job is not to ask the why, but what can I do to help people that are suffering? And to find a positive message. The positive message that I can find out this entire thing is, is God's going to be asking you, Rihanna, and you, Jack, and me, and everybody listening, 
how did you come out of these months of being home? Did you become out a better person? Did you accomplish something? Did you recognize that maybe I should be treating my brother and sister better? So if anything, this is the lesson that I would be telling everybody. Go to your room. You guys have been misbehaving. Come out with a smile and be immense. That was a great question. Welcome back to my final segment, where I always like giving a story or a lesson for all of you to think about. Many of you may have gotten this story in your email box, but this story, when I read, I said, wow, I would love to end my show today with this. So here it goes. One day, a very wealthy father took his son on a trip to the countryside, to a farm where there were poor people. He wanted to show his very wealthy son because his son grew up in a mansion in a gorgeous home. And he wanted to go and show his son how poor people live. See, he should become sensitive. After spending two days there, they returned home. The father asked his son, how we liked the trip. He said, Dad, it was great. The father goes and asks, do you see how poor people could be? He says, oh, yes, says the son. Oh, I sure do. The father was smiling. He says, great, my son. Tell me, what did you learn from the trip? The son looks at his father and says, Dad, I recognize we only have one dog, but they have four running around. We have a pool that reaches just to the middle of our garden. But did you see that? They had a creek that goes on and on to swimming. We went and bought very fancy lanterns from Europe to light up our backyard. But Dad, did you notice they have the sun, they have the stars and the moon? Their whole backyard was lit up. It was beautiful. I also noticed that our patio only reaches to the front yard. But their front yard goes all the way to the horizon. It goes on and on. Dad, I noticed that maybe our house is bigger than theirs. But we only have a small piece of land. That's all we have, a small piece of land to live on. But they have fields that go on and on. We have servants taking care of us. But I notice people constantly coming to them, and they were so happy serving them. We buy all our food, Dad. That's crazy. Did you notice they grow all their food? And I noticed something else, Dad. Did you notice? We have walls around our property to protect us. But they have friends nearby. Anytime they need something, they call up a friend who lives two miles away. And they come to help. The boy's father was speechless. He couldn't believe what his son was just telling him. He says, Pop, thank you so much for showing me this life that they have. The father says, really? Why? And he looks at his father, gives him a hug, and says, Dad, it showed me how poor we really are. Think about it. Who is rich? Somebody who's happy with what they have. Those poor people that live out in the farmland, this kid who has everything thought their life was better. 
Never look at someone else and say, the grass is greener on the other side. God gave you your garden of Eden. Live it. Enjoy it. Share it with others. And that will make you a happy person. Yep. And that's what makes us be a mensch. So have a fantastic week, everybody. And remember that every one of us, you've got to make the right choice because you always have to be a mensch. God bless you all. And God willing, I'll see you next week.